Just stop it. The run of the mill, cheesy, humdrum bullshit status quo just tires me out. What fascinates me are the industry disruptors, the superhuman frontiersmen or women who go through hell to achieve their goals. Join me as we meet and learn from those mavericks, rebels, and business leaders that aren't afraid to piss off the establishment in order to make radical change for good. Sponsored by Johto PR, the disruptive anti-PR firm that murders your competition with cinder blocks and cyanide. This is Disruption Interruption. Welcome back, everybody, to Disruption Interruption. I'm your host, KJ, and we're here today with another disruptor who has kicked up the dust on the status quo. He's been disrupting, I would say, all his life. He might say half his life as a brand strategist. We're talking him today because he has deep experience in guiding companies, big companies in their transformation, like Marriott, Warner Brothers, Honeywell, but most importantly, in transforming himself. Coming to us live from Long Beach, California, please welcome our disruptor principal, Affinian Fabian Guy Halter. Well, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this. This, this should be fun. Uh, I, I want to make sure when you say I transformed myself that we don't get the wrong ideas. This is, <laughs> this is only about my career. <laughs> That's right. I was going to say your alias too was, you know, transformer, right? That, to- <laughs> that takes it in a totally different realm, right? Exactly. I like that. But transformed your brand, right? Like talk the talk and walked the walk. So before we get into that, I want to know, because you've worked with all of these companies in transforming, you've disrupted your own industry. What is your main ingredient to disruption? Well, the, the way you phrase it, I'm, 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 I'm going to take this literal, what my main ingredient is, um, because I think it varies, you know, depending on if it's a large company, it might be very different, right? But I think for for one one person, you know, um, shops for for innovators for startups. Uh, I, I think th- there are three key ingredients, uh, and, and the very first one is courage. I mean, you can't you can't disrupt if you don't have guts, if you don't have moxie, if you don't because it takes so much usually to 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 disrupt. Um, it, it takes a lot from you and you have to have the guts to actually say, you know what, I've been just coasting along and things were good, right? Like either you were doing something the same way all the time. So it gets comfortable, even though you might not be super happy, it's comfortable, right? Or you see how things were being um, dealt with outside, right? Like how products behaved, how, um, you know, how services behaved and, and, and performed. And you're like, no. I'm going to disrupt this entire thing and it's going to be extremely painful <laughs> because it is, right? Disruption is supposed to hurt in the beginning for the one that is disrupting, right? Um, and that leads me to my, to, my, to my second point when I thought about this, um, it's determination, right? You know, like on the one hand, you have to have courage, but you have to be determined. You have to be determined to not give up and to get on the other side of things so that your disruption is actually successful because otherwise why do it, right? So there's a lot of, there's a lot of perseverance, right? Because there's going to be roadblocks all along the way. Right. And arrows in your back and people telling you, you can't, and this is the way it's always been done. And 
Well, well, yeah, and I mean, you you might you might think you can disrupt easily, and it's never gonna be easy, right? Because uh, disruption is swimming swimming against the stream, and and it just it's gonna take everything out of you. So I really think courage, determination, and perseverance are the three key ingredients to actually to actually get to that point where you can disrupt. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know why this wouldn't be for major brands too. We have a lot of startups that are disrupting in the tech space that listen to this podcast, right? Um, but they have aspirations and they're on run rates to be very big companies and go public. Some of them are on their, you know, ABC funding and so forth that are on that way. But courage, I mean, you have to have guts, you have to have balls, you have to have conus, right? You, All you of have them to, do. You have to have balls, but when you have a, when you have a serious uh, C investment, that kind of helps because suddenly it's not so ballsy anymore because you have less to lose, Ooh, right? Suddenly you point. can push a lot of money against everything. And you, you also, it's like the, the determination and perseverance part is always also a little bit gum because at this point you've got teams, you can just, you know, you can just manage them and say, now you are the one <laughs> who has to what make the phone calls. What about Series A and Series B? So the, so the courage and the determination, the perseverance cuts off after Series I, B. I, th- <laughs> I think once there's a good, a good chunk of money behind you, you've got, you've got wind in your sails. And I think once you have wind in your sails, um, you know, the courageous part you know, is, 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 is just going with the weather and going with the storm and kind of like defending yourself. Right. But it's not as courageous as actually jumping into that boat and making sure that you've got some wind in the sails. Right. Yeah. So I think that, that beginning is always, is always the, the really tough one. It's a really good point. And, and disruptors like yourself, I mean, you're pioneers, you have to have courage to go out there and, um, wow, I might get slaughtered by Indians any day now. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you you just yeah, you you never know what's around the corner, and and that is in a way the entrepreneurial spirit, and that's the excitement about it, right? Where you just don't know what happens if I open this door, but I really think I need to open this because the time is the time is right. What are we like gluttons for punishment? I mean, we must be. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think there's a little bit, there's a little bit of that in there. Yeah. It's, we it's probably all went for the gold rush in our past lives, right? <laughs> <laughs> Good pain. So, all right. So you got to have balls. You got to be a determined cuss, as my dad would say, and you have to persevere, right? Tell me about this disruption, your own disruption in your own industry, in your own agency, Tell me a little bit about that, but don't forget to paint the status quo and why it needed to be disrupted and still does. Well, let's start with the status quo, right? So I'm so I'm I I used to run a brand, a brand agency. Um, you know, we we were a small, small agency, I guess mid-sized for for, for branding. You know, we were anywhere between 12 and 18 people at the height. So it's a, it's a good size, you know, um, um small agency. And I created it. Well, that's 90% of the agencies out there. Most probably. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So it is kind of the status quo of agencies, right? That's a typical size between five and 10, maybe 15, right? That's Mm -hmm. kind of it. Um, And then lots of freelancers and, you know, interns, of course, they love interns, right? Which is part of the problem. (laughs) (laughs) And so so I I created an agency and we won tons of awards. And and it was, of course, gloriously named after myself. It was Gaia Halter Design, right? Which later on turned into Gaia Halter & Co., 
because it needed to be a little bit more inclusive and it wasn't just about design anymore. It was much more about brand strategy, et cetera. Um, and we won, you know, we won the awards. I had the staff, I built my thing and it was amazing to the outside. And I just realized over the last couple of years, it was just not very satisfying anymore. Like, even though everything looked better and better to the outside, and it's very much how agencies work, right? It's awards and glamour and all of that. And then once you lift a little bit of, uh, you know, that lid and you look inside of that glass, it's kind of mayhem. You know, it's, it's, I mean, you know, it's, you know, making sure that you constantly keep everyone happy, you keep, you know, increasing your payroll, demand is huge for talent. Um, and, and, and of course, the most important thing is how you serve your clients, right? As an agency, you try, you, you really have the goal um, to, to, to have long ongoing retainers, yeah. right? Um, and the problem with retainers is, you know, it's kind of like dating. In the beginning, it's super exciting, right? The first date, second date, it's it's big, right? It's the same <laughs> thing with agencies and clients. In the beginning, it's strategy. Let's talk big ideas. Boom. Oh my God, you you people are so smart. This is amazing, right? And then fast forward, you know, half a year, and it's like, hey, I need to see that spreadsheet version 17, you know, blah, blah, blah. And this is running behind and this is going on and la, la, la. And why are you not available after 6 p.m.? And we don't understand what's going on, right? And then fast forward a year or two and, and clients start paying top dollars for project management and production that anyone could really do and they should do themselves. And so what I saw was kind of like with my own agency, which was a little bit of a problem because it was, you know, my agency, I started seeing what I, what I kind of hated, right? That, that idea that, you know, agencies, you know, once they were actually, you know, considered good agencies, decent sized agencies, they're turning more and more corporate. Everything becomes more rigid, right? Um, and, and they're not swift. They're not agile. They're not like the clients that knock on their doors, which are, you know, company founders and CMOs that just need to change things and they need to change it quickly. Um, and they need to have a core team that helps them with it. And they need to have experts, right? Um, that, that actually know exactly what they're talking about. And as an agency, you're an expert in everything because guess what? I'm going to take your money. I'm like, if you're my client, my whole goal is to get as much business out of you as possible. So if you say, hey, do you guys do websites? We're like, sure. But this is a really big e-commerce site. I mean, it's like, it's like a half a million dollar project. It's like, sure, right? And that's the problem. The problem is that, that agencies are very hungry, right? They're hungry for more and they're hungry for constant work. And so long story short is I, I kind of had it. <laughs> I you had said it that's with, it. Yeah. What, what I, was the day that made you say that's it? Like, I no effing more. I'm changing this. There's usually a trigger moment, right? Uh, for, for me, for me, it was a trigger moment where I had I had a friend who turned into a client. That's always a big red red flag, right? Um, and he started just just buying up all of these hotels. He was in real estate, and he and we basically created everything for him, right? Like you know the names, uh, not the names, but the, but the brand identity, the, the 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 restaurant. How is it gonna work, right? Like like the the flyers, the website, the the branding, the whole thing, right? And he just kept going and going and going, and 
you know, at some point, you know, it, it, it came to it came to the point where where I had a project manager, she was pregnant, she said, Hey, my cousin can fill in. So the cousin filled in, she, she didn't quite perform as well as I wanted her to, I had to let her go the next day, she went to this client. And she said, Hey, you know, by the way, all of this stuff, you know, was done by interns, and all of the big ideas were my ideas, you should hire me. And he did. And I'm like, wait a minute, what is going on here? And so it's, I mean, it is complete. I mean, this is like sitcom stuff, right? So it was complete drama. And at that moment, though, I really realized, oh my God, it's like, this is all, this is all, I created this whole zoo of, of, <laughs> of things, right? And I just had it. So these, these, these months and years prior where I looked at the agency world and I figured, you know what, is this really is this the best way to serve clients? Are agencies all about ego and about their awards? And is it really all about us? And how ah. is this, right? And, and how do you grow an agency, but yet have a super clear focus? All of this just bugged me, right? And then this one moment of, 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 of complete like sitcom craziness where I'm like, I mean, it's you can't make it up. No, you can't make it up. It's extremely stressful when you go through it, actually, because there are a lot of people involved and emotions involved. And then, of course, it's your work and it's your it's your you know, it's it, it, I mean, it's it's your intellectual property. And of course, you got to keep feeding people. Right. Because we had this person on, you know, on a on a pretty high retainer. Right. And suddenly the retainer is gone. And so it's like drama in every single compartment of an agency kind of drama with. And at that moment, I decided, you know what, this is this is the moment where I actually could rethink everything, right? And so instead of keeping doing exactly what I did, which was being hungry for work and keep winning awards, um, I just, I just, I just sat back and I said, this is, this is a time for me to say, okay, what am I going to do with this agency? And should it be an agency? And instead of me thinking about, you know, thinking about how big can this agency be, right? Which is really the big, you know, that, that's what all agency owners think about. I was thinking more about what have I learned in those, you know, in those 12 years leading up to that? Um, what have I learned? What can I provide to my clients in a much better and a much faster way than all other agencies can do it? And then, and then I said, you know what? I'm going to do a consultancy. We're going to be super small. We're going to be two people max. And I will never hire more than one person outside of myself. Right? I will never hire more than one person ever. <laughs> that's exactly. And that's how I looked like. I just had a little bit more hair than, the, than, than, than him. Um, but, but that's exactly what it was. I'm like, I'm going to have one person that does amazing work, you know, like the design work, the brand identity work, naming and all of that. Um, and I'm going to be very strategy focused. Uh, and we're going to have one product process and one pricing and that works for everyone and I have I, I don't do pitches don't do proposals I have one page and that page I send to everyone who wants to work with me and either they like our process and what we do and how quickly we do it with them or not and that's it there's no more hustling there's no more no more you know new business channels there are none of that and people have to come to us if they want to work for us and of course that was rough the first year. <laughs> was it? Well, of was course, it? of course it is. Of course it well, is. Well, you right? had probably because... had to have a whole gradient strategic game plan to, I don't even like to call it the word downside, just disrupt. You just disrupt it. You said, well, I'm going it... back to basics. What's the most exciting, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at, at this point, I mean, it, it is, it, it, it has been, and it is still to this, to this day, it's the exact same thing, right? You know, if, if someone wants to work with me, there's a one pager and these are the dollars and this is how we work. And you know what? Clients love it. 
because usually they're doing this dog and pony show of like, here's our creative brief. Here's exactly how it needs to go. But really, they don't quite know. They just, they just got, they, they look for guidance, right? But agencies are hungry and they just obey. And they're like, this is exactly what we're going to do. Here's our, you know, 500 page PowerPoint presentation. And please, please hire us. And by the way, hire us for everything else you need to Right. And then it's really refreshing if I'm kind of like shrugging my shoulders and I'm like, look, I mean, you could do it your way, but but here's my way. Yeah. Right? Like, and, hell and no. It, like, this is why I'm so good at what I do. And this is all I'm going to focus on. Why do you think it's the what do you call it? Scope creep? Or why do you think it is that agencies just take on this more and more and more? And it's not really their focus. They're not focused or because the agency model is broken. The agency model is broken, right? The idea is you have you have a lot of mouths to feed and they're all full time, right? And 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 you want to grow because you want to be named agency of year or you want to be like it's all about growth and it's all about awards and it's all about egos, right? And look, I mean they're great people in agencies. And, and they're even great leaders in agencies, and I'm not dissing any of them. I just want to see all of them work on an individual basis and do their best work, you know, where they can really shine and do it on an expert level. And that to me was what I really realized through this whole journey is that I myself like to hire experts, right? So if my brand has problems, like after this podcast airs, I'm going to call you. I'm like, KJ, you got to help me. <laughs> I said all these things. Um, no, but it's like you, you have experts for, for everything, right? You want an expert. You want to pay, pay extra for someone who's specialized, but they need to do it much better than anyone else. And they, do, they, they need to do it quicker. And that is how I, as an entrepreneur, like to surround myself with, with service providers. And so that to me is like, here's an agency of a couple hundred people and they're owned by some global conglomerate and it's all about the numbers and it's all about stocks. And it's how, how can a startup come in and say, look, you know, like we really want to disrupt ourselves. <laughs> I mean, how can, how can it feel that, 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 that this conglomerate, this ocean liner that really can't turn, right? It takes years for it to turn. How can that? How can that create that swift team that can just disrupt? I, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some agencies that can, but overall, I think it's really, really difficult based on that. Based on that adequate, you know, structure. I think you're right. I think the agency model is broken, and you know, it's funny. That's why I have really never gone out for the awards or gone out for the industry accolades or anything like that. If anything, I think I'm probably like the the black sheep of my industry, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's um, you know that that's unusual. That's unusual. I mean, you know, even 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 now, every now and then, you know, I do submit to an award show because it's just kind of fun. Or I'm like, hey, I don't have one of those, right? Like, I would like one of those. They look good, right? But but it's not, it's not like it used to be where it's this constant, you know, show off. And and you know, another thing that I think is extremely interesting um, in the agency world and 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 disrupting it is that all agencies talk to themselves. They all talk to other creatives. They read creative stuff. They talk to creatives. It's not like, it's, it's not like if they work with a company that is about, uh, I, 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 I don't know, like some, some really boring B2B field that they suddenly start really diving into that and going into that community and really being like, I always felt it is so weird because I'm not as interested in, in, in reading, you know, magazines about branding and going into websites about branding. I'm more interested in reading about business and economics and what's around the corner and what is happening so that I can be more prepared to work with my clients. Amen. 
Exactly. And that's what your clients come to you for. I'm the same way. Absolutely. People always say, do you know so-and-so? Have you heard of so-and-so? And I'm like, yeah, no, sorry. Well, they're in your field. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> your top three competitors. Mm, wait, I don't know. <laughs> but it is a little bit like that, right? Where, where I think that if you... And I'm not even sure if, 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 if I disrupted branding agencies, I think I more disrupted my own trajectory, right? Uh, uh, you know, and, and, and how much, you know, you, you, you know, how much you need to grow, you know, it doesn't, you don't need to have huge staff. It doesn't need to be this conglomerate, right? It's like, it's more about, you know, like, like your own trajectory, you know, where, how much can you actually do while still having a life? you know, and making a much better living and serving your clients really, really well. And in the end, I mean, that's what it's about. And that's why I say every single person in agency should have that kind of mindset of like, how can I utilize what I'm really, really great at to, to you know, in the best way. And I think, I mean, we're taping this now in, uh, in, in December of 21. Um, I mean, things are happening right now, not in agencies, everywhere. Everyone's quitting everything. everything. <laughs> and everyone realizes yeah. I should just do what I'm really great at. And you know what? I might even get paid more for it. It's, a, you know, it's really true. I was just talking to another marketer and we were talking about this whole great resignation thing, but people, you know, when you have times of disaster or cataclysmic, you know, situations, people really start to question is there more to this? Is there more to my life? Is there more to this work? Right. You had an epiphany based off of a time of trial by fire, right? Um, well, this is a huge trial by fire for the whole world. <laughs> it's wow. really changing things. What is this disruption for you or your agency done for you in terms of quality of life and, um, everything you're doing as a creative I mean, it, it really, it really changed everything. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not even, you know, uh, uh, exaggerating here. I mean, you know, before it used to be when you have, when you have a staff, you know, of like 12, 15 people, you basically start work when they leave <laughs> because you're busy managing all day long. And then afterwards you have to actually, you know, get back to clients and, and, and do finance finances and planning and this and that, right. It's this awkward size where you don't have enough managers, right. It's, it's kind of like this in-between size. And that's the size where most small agencies are in. They're, 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 they're too small to have that VP level, that like managerial level. Right. Um, and so it was really late nights. I was the last one to get a raise. <laughs> right because i mean i had to make sure everyone else gets raises so right top, top top uh you know top talent um and i mean everything i mean it's completely different i mean you know it, it, it's unbelievable how much it changed right because all of you know first of all business development is a thing of the past right because people just come to me and i don't need that many clients right i mean we're two people if we have if we have three four clients at any given time it's it's fantastic right um you know and we are and we're 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 doing very well financially as as an as an agent even as an agency right even if we would call ourselves an agency what do you call yourself is there a new a name consultancy. for your category okay it's a consultancy right i mean i'm a consultant and it's a consultancy and you know and and you know our annual income is as high as, as it was with the agency in the first years, right? Um, and it's fantastic because it goes straight, it, it goes straight to us, right? I mean, there's no, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing. It's amazing. Else. No. Do you have a waiting list? 
Um, you know what? I, I was playing with this a little bit, but, but but my type of clients, they go through a transformation. and They it, need it and now. They, yeah, and I mean, they can't say, okay, you know what? I'm going to hold off of the merger because <laughs> Mr. Fabian here has a wait list. <laughs> That's true because people that need to transform, they need it now. And By the even time the ones they that- recognize, they need it. See, see, and it goes back to your to our conversation just now, right? About that, there's this trigger moment, and for some of them, it is it is a very serious trigger moment, like an acquisition or a merger. But for some others, it is a personal moment of epiphany, where they're like, "Oh my god, our company's purpose totally changed, and we never did anything about it." Oh my god, we need to rebrand, right? But that's still there's this urgency where I say, "Hey, why don't you wait for a month?" So basically, I just say no to clients, and you know what I learn that that no is the most important thing in agency in the agency world. Saying no is so relieving because it just opens up the path for the right yes. Right. So if I say no to the, to 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 an amazing job yesterday, yesterday last night, uh, some someone wrote me said, "Hey, here's here's an RFP, which for those not in the industry, it's a request for proposal. Um, you know, uh, we would we would love to hear back from you. Uh, you know, January four for something." I'm like, I don't know who you are. I don't know how I got on this list. I don't know. Am I gonna spend years creating a proposal? So I wrote, I wrote back. I'm like, hey, that's fantastic. I would love 20 minutes of your time to discuss this. And then she wrote back and she said, oh, sorry. At this point, we are not doing personal one-on-ones. And I and I wrote back. Um, this sounds you know, so familiar. Yeah, yeah. And I wrote back, I'm I'm so sorry, but we don't we don't engage um in, in proposals if we don't have a personal, you know, connection. And that was it. But I mean it was a budget of three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can only I mean, every agency would say, ah, screw it, let's just get a team on it. Right. And I think that's the difference. Like, it's easy for me to say no. And it's easy for me to just, you know, be authentically myself and do what I feel, you know, is the right thing to do. Um, And guess what? These people all come back because there's someone who actually has the guts to do that. I remember Warner Brothers. And they love that. They actually love that. It's true. Yeah, the way I got to work with Warner Brothers was was very similar, where they send out an RFP, but it was very personal and they were super cool people. They were fantastic. Um, and, and they reached out and, and I said, I'm sorry, I don't do proposals, but I would love, but I, I looked through your RFP and I just don't think that it's the best approach. I would have a different approach. I would love to talk to you about it. Guess what? One week later, I sit in the in the office of the VP, you know, chit-chatting about, you know, how I would solve his problem. I got hired on the spot. All the other agencies came in, had to do a dog and pony show. I already had the project. I never had to create a presentation. I never had to do anything like that. And that's not because I'm overly smart. Of course I am. No, that's not because I'm overly smart. That's because I just, I, I liberated myself of having to take on every project and having to play that game, which in my eyes, the game is silly. It's unproductive and it's not getting you to the place where you need to be. And so now I can openly just say that. And when you say, hey, I don't think that's the right approach, they listen (laughs) because no one else would have the guts to do that. Yeah, you know, I think it's very interesting. You just hit on something that I don't even know if our listeners picked up, but it is this key approach, this whole, even the whole RFP system, even the dog and pony show, it's not even good for the, the clients or the prospective clients and the ability to say no by a creative that's liberated, that can say, no, this is not the right process. You've been doing something that's been, it's antiquated. It's been around for 70 years, 
right? I mean, even the questions people ask agencies about how they're going to be able to handle their uh, account is based off of 70 year old agency models, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this RFP, this dog and pony show, this shit just doesn't work anymore. Um, hello. No, that, that, that's a, that's a, absolutely mic drop. It doesn't work anymore. Right. And I think for some listeners, especially the ones, you know, in, in, in the agency world who might in the beginning have been like, ah, this guy is full of crap. Right. Like, what is he talking about? I, th I think it's, it slowly starts resonating. Right. Because that is, that is the kind of work that agencies spend a lot of time and resources on. And the only thing it is, is disappointing. It's disappointing for everyone on the team when they don't get that big deal after they worked weeks on a dog and pony show, right? It's disappointing when they get it because now they suddenly have to create all of these arms of their agency, which they didn't have before and they need to figure this stuff out and they need to become experts in an industry that they might know nothing about or in a process that they might know nothing about, but the client dictated it. And, and, and the client is most probably going to be disappointed because they could have gotten better work if they would have just said, let's get a couple of experts in and really have them solve our problem. Yes. Yes. So I think it's a responsibility on both sides. It's not just the agency, but it's for other companies to have the wake up call that they really need to get the experts on board to solve their particular problems instead of the whole dog and pony show that corporate has and that small businesses adapt or adopt, I should say, uh, to find the talent that they need. Absolutely, absolutely. And then, and then the big, the big excuse, uh, you know, is, is on the client side is always, uh, but who's going to manage all of this, right? But it's usually it takes just as much to manage three or four experts. And I'm not saying vendors; I'm saying experts, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning. Experts know, and it's expert is also a horrible term, but a consultant, an expert, you know, someone who knows what they're doing in, in their with their specific process or their specific craft, um, they know how to self-manage. They are going to give you timelines. They're going to say, here's what we're going to do when. And then the other person is going to say, here's what we're going to, all you have to do is combine the four and just sit back and have great work be done, you know, rather than, you know, struggling with the agency project manager, you know, of what actually happens behind those scenes. Right. So, Yeah. I mean, have the companies have their own project manager to manage the experts, right. Then the experts are going to do what they say they're going to do. Yeah. And then voila, that's what you have it. Were you, uh, had you totally gone to your consultancy format when you were working with Warner Brothers? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was already, that was, already, that, that's why I was able to do that. Otherwise I would have totally bit and I would have said, <laughs> of course we're going to do a proposal and we, I would have taken a week from, you know, of, of my, of my team and all of that. Right. Um, and, and there's something that you said before, which also made me, made me think about how, how the model is actually broken on, on more levels because Something that I always fight back against, and, and, and you know, I think it's the right thing to do, but but you know, I'm I'm unsure. But when we talk about disrupting, I'm never creating huge timelines. I just create check-in points, right? Like in the end, it's like when do you need to launch? When do you need to relaunch your brand or whatever? Whatever is that big moment of truth, right? What is that end goal? And then in between. You know, I, I give you a couple of key points, but I'm not going to create a Gantt chart or, or an Excel sheet with like every single, you know, oh, are we going to have standing meetings, you know, twice a week? And are we going to do all these things? Why? 
Yeah, it, it's such a and, and startups would never think that way. Startups wouldn't have their, you know, their their standing calls and their spreadsheets. They're like, no, this needs to happen by then. What do you need from us? We're available for you. Let's go. Right. You do your thing and you do it well. Um, and, and there's no need for big timelines and schedules. I, I yeah. just really don't believe in that. And, and the minute that you have a timeline and a schedule, it will be disrupted within, within the <laughs> In first, the wrong way. The, the very, exactly. The very first thing you have on there is like first presentation with the CEO. Guess what happens after that? Everything he can't is, make it. <laughs> yeah, he can't make it. He, you know, like he, he looks at it and he's like, what are we doing here? He, he looks at it and he says, you know, or she says, uh, you know, uh, I totally don't love that. Let's go somewhere else. And, 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 and then everyone, everyone's going to say, well, but we, we have all of these subsequent, you know, you know, stops in our timeline. What are we going to do? And it's all, it doesn't matter anymore at that point. Like, well, it doesn't matter. Let's go, let's go in a different direction. So, so yeah, there's a lot, basically to me, agencies waste a lot of time and they, 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 they burn out a lot of talent along the way. And I just don't think it needs to be that way. What do you think they waste the most time on? Is it the project management? Yeah, it's project management, it's meetings, calls, it's proposals, it's dog and pony shows, it's culture stuff. It's like things that you need to do or you think you need to do, right? Uh, well, now you know, I'm supposed to, right? I think it's, a, yeah, it's yeah. an entire cultural shift. It's a cultural shift. That stuff is not needed to create good work. It is. And it's interesting that I did this eight, nine years ago, um, you know, and, and now I feel like it's kind of becoming a real thing. <laughs> it's like I'm like this is good. It's slowly <laughs> catching on, <laughs> and it may have it may have taken a pandemic, but I think it's it's it is catching on, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I still had a I still had an office uh, office space where where the two of us always uh you know uh, came together uh you know with the consultancy, and now even I opened my eyes during the pandemic. I'm like. It's only the two of us in there, right? We might have a client come in every two, three weeks, but as a consultant, you fly around the world to, to do your workshops and you go to them. They don't come to you. It's global. It's not, it's not like, yeah, we're like the Los Angeles. No, we're not. And we're nobody global. wants to be in person anymore. It's like, yeah. yeah. Don't shake my hand. Don't hug me. I'll, no, I'll just, I'll be here virtually. Well, that might change <laughs> over time, right? I hope but, so, because I, I like yeah. hugging people. But <laughs> for right now, <clears throat> um. I was going to ask you a question, but I forgot. Like my, my uh, goddaughter would say words, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, as far as this whole disruption goes, right? Like how, how have you been able to do your best work? Well, that, that's a great question. Um, and and when I changed my model, I, I I thought about that quite a bit. Um, and and I had help of a gentleman a gentleman called uh, David Baker. Um, he's also an author. He he wrote some he wrote some amazing uh, books. Uh, you know the, the 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 business of expertise is his latest. He's a great guy. I hired him for ten thousand uh, dollars. That was nine years ago. For ten thousand dollars to come in for one day and help me reposition my, my agency into the consultancy that I wanted to become. And I was a huge amount of money for a day. And, and so here's the thing. So David, David did, a, did a really good job um, and, and, and I'm still in touch with him and he's, he's fantastic. But the best lesson that I learned was that I was willing to pay $10,000 for one day of an expert who did his job with me, right? Because I trusted him. And so 
that actually immediately translated into my business model. And, and that also goes back to how I do my best work. When I do brand strategy with clients now, before it used to be, you know, tons of meetings, weeks and weeks of work, presentation of the strategy, this and this, here are different directions, right? Where your company could go, where the brand could build, blah, 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 SWOT analysis, all of that. Um, now, guess what it is? It's a one-day session and it's $12,000. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I do one almost every week now. Um, and it is so amazing to do it because... I only do these workshops if the founder, co-founder or CEO are part of it. Um, you know, that's in, in companies that are under like, let's say 500 or a thousand people, right? Once you talk with the Honeywells and the Marriott's of the world, then it's, it's, it's the project, right? Like who is the owner, who, who, is, who is the project lead and da, da, da. Um, but because of that, I'm basically doing more therapy then I do strategy because I just get it out of them over eight hours. And guess what? I create consensus during eight hours. And so at the end of the eight hours, we've got their positioning nailed, their mission nailed, their vision for the next five years. We got the personality of the brand. We've got their values. I mean, literally we equip HR to do culture. We equip marketing to go market and we equip the entire leadership to be on the same page and have one voice, right? Moving forward. And there's no other way this could happen unless you have these people take that amount of, of time out. And I think because the cost for one day is high enough that people care, they, they, actually, they actually become part of it, right? Like they actually want to become part of it. So it's this really interesting thing with how I structured this day that, that, that it actually works so well. Um, and that's where I do my best work. I mean, that's where I feel like when, when I leave those days and it is exhausting. I mean, now doing Zoom days, right? Uh, doing our times right now, it's, it's over two half days, right? So four hours one day, four hours the next day, which works really, really well. But it's exhausting, right? I mean, it's really exhausting. But afterwards, you just feel like you made a huge impact in the trajectory of the business. And, 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 and you just equipped so many teams and people with so much knowledge. It's really awesome. So that's what I love doing. And that, that's, when, that's when I feel like I do, I do my best work. Well, you're really dealing with the goal makers and the visionaries of the company. They're the ones that can make things happen. And everything filters down from their vision, their goals, their purpose, right? For why they're doing things. So you do this 10 hour day or this all day thing. Is there follow-up after that? Like you have to deliver something to them or that's it. All, all I, all I deliver is a very, very automatically generated PDF that basically shows everything that we already fill out during the day to them. So there's no more work after that really in that sense. And very often that's the last time that I see these, these clients, because I say, look, unless you need the other two things on my PDF, <laughs> you know, unless you need to change your name or you need to now rethink your identity, otherwise that's it. And, and, and let's connect on LinkedIn and let's be, let's be friends and that's let's it. Let's be and friends. And you know You're what? My new friends. It, no, it is really, really amazing, right? Because especially after where I came from with the agency, I kind of thought, oh my God, you can't be, you, you can't be friends with, with CEOs and like all of this, you shouldn't, or you shouldn't do business with friends and all of this. And now it's just so liberating because, you know, I work with the most amazing people, right? I mean, people that are so driven and I mean, they're running companies, uh, you know, huge companies, right? Um, and spending eight hours with them is just personally extremely satisfying, gratifying, right? I mean, it, there's a lot, there's a lot of that. And then, and then, and then again, you know, just, just that idea that, that they, that you help them 
on their path to become a better brand, right? A more beloved, more, you know, admired brand um, is, is tons of fun. And so that's very different for me sitting in my office at 10 PM, not having gotten a raise in a while and I run the business, right? And someone says I'm pregnant. Someone says I'm quitting. Someone says, you know, my uncle in Australia, I need to go there, whatever it is, right? One client <laughs> says, hey, your biggest project is not hold for three months. And it's like all this stuff where you're just like losing hair. Somehow I haven't, I don't know how, uh, but it's surely turned gray. Um, and, and now it's just very different, right? Because I've got a workshop like this here and there, you know, like, like, like we, we, we transform these brands. It's all on my exact, you know, like timeline. Um, and it's easy. It's easy. That's awesome. I it's love hard work, this. but it's, it's easy. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> awesome. I love it. And who are these early adopters of this type of like, for instance, Warner brothers, right? They, they, they pivoted really quickly. How would you, and they're not small, right? Like, so they're kind of an early adopter of this methodology. Like, Hey, we have this dog and pony show going on, but wait, we need this. Who are the early adopters? How would you describe them? Well, I think, I think the, the early adopters are the people in charge that, 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 that see that someone is doing something differently and, and they have these, the guts to actually do it differently. And that, that is that is fascinating to them because that's how they run their business. That's how, right? I mean, they disrupt. And so all of these service providers, these vendors, right? They're not experts. They're, they're not even partners. They're just vendors, right? And it sucks just as much for the client to have to go through all of this. And when suddenly someone actually speaks up and says, hey, I'm going to pull the brake on what you're doing over there. If you want to come on board, I'm going to show you how we can do that. That is extremely fascinating. Right? It's liberating for them. It's liberating. It's, it's, it's intriguing, right? And, and that's exactly what happened, right? They just said, well, I want to learn more about this. Would, you, would it be an inconvenience for you to come to the Warner Brothers studio lot and sit, sit, sit with the VP and talk about this, right? I mean, you would have never as an agency even gotten... That, no, right? you but wouldn't you even gotten have... in for that. Yeah. And I love that story because for me, that was kind of like, okay, I'm that idea of saying no, or that idea of speaking your mind or that email that I sent last night to that, to that $300,000 RFP, where I said, sorry, I'm not going to do this with you because I need to talk to a human person before we do any work. Right. Um, and, and of course I'm ne never going to do a proposal, but then I would tell her, well, this is what we do. And here's a one page. And the amazing thing is how quickly people change, right. Where they, where they come off like, we need this 30 page proposal. It needs to be done then. And it's this rigid thing. Right. And then when they talk to someone like me, it becomes a little bit more personable. It, it kind of like starts making sense. They start talking internally. They're like, this, there's this weird guy, but he's kind of like, it makes sense. Should we? And then they open it up more and more. And then in the end, all the other agencies just don't exist anymore. And I'm not saying that this happens every single time, right? It goes back to your question of who are these people, right? If it is a very corporate environment, it happens less and less, right? But Warner Brothers, it wasn't Warner Brothers, the company. It was a subdivision, of course, right? And within of that course. subdivision, the person who was the head of that he was intrigued. And I think that's what it takes. And that's why I work very, very well with founder CEOs, right? People that run their business, but they also have that founder, you know, disruption element in them where they just seek that. They're like, ah, this is different. Different could be good. Let's talk. Different is good. 
I was interviewing Jennifer Murphy. She's the CMO of Five Nine, this big cloud giant. And you know, one of the things that we were talking about is the whole disruption in the customer experience, right? And this whole thing of stifling the dog and pony show, the customer experience, people are no longer going to want that. And that's not just in a B2C market. It's in this B2B market. It is with the leaders of the companies. They want authenticity. They want um, people to tell them what to do. They admire that, right? It's liberating for them. They don't want yes men. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, on that same, on that same note, uh, I, I'm starting another, I'm starting another company because, you know, it's just been, you know, well, you are I, glutton for punishment. What is <laughs> I'm starting another company. And because of that, I need things like company insurance, which of course my insurance for my company, I had since, I don't know, 2000, you know, whatever, nine or whatever. Right. Like, so I haven't even, so so on LinkedIn, verbatim, last night I posted the following. I said, it's been a while since I formally started a business, but here I go again. What's a trusted new digital forward, in bracket, read user-oriented brand in the insurance space for small businesses and startups that you came to trust? So the thing user is- User-oriented. Like, right? User like, experience. Do I want to call State Farm? Do I no. want to call any of them? No, I want to see who are the shakers? Who are the ones that think they can do it differently? Who are the ones that say, oh, you're a startup? You don't need to have all of this stuff. Just click here. You're going to be covered for the for your basis, right? And so I think just by me putting this out there where I immediately feel like, oh, I need something that, that, that feels like it's old and adequated and it should have been disrupted, I would immediately first ask, well, has it been disrupted? And if so, can I start? Can I start being a part of that? Because insurance sucks, just like agencies suck, just like so many things suck, right? And and I'm sure someone disrupted it. So who was it? And I would love to jump on that bandwagon. Uh, you know, that's the motto after this whole pandemic, you know, endemic. It's like this sucks. We're gonna change it. <laughs> but Absolutely. you started a little earlier. Absolutely. And people do that, right? I mean, all these people start their own things now, you know, and, 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 and they have guts because guess what? They don't have that much to lose, right? They might've already lost their job. And at this point they can drive an Uber during the day. And then in the evening, do the stuff, work on a big project to take over whatever industry. Yeah, and People are, people are, I mean, there, there are entrepreneurs that are driving Ubers just to get by yep. and they are insanely smart people and smart minds, but they are so, and it comes back to that idea of uh, determination, right? They're so determined and they have so much perseverance that they just say, whatever it takes, I don't care. I need to make sure I put food on the table, but besides that, I'm going to go follow my dream. Hell yeah. I love this. This is for all you out there, the courageous, the determined, the, those that persevere, this podcast is for you. (laughs) Were you always courageous and determined and had perseverance? What were you like growing up? Well, I mean, when you think about a kid that has determination and perseverance, that doesn't paint a really good picture, but I sure was that kid. Were you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was a complete pest. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I can I, see I, that about you. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, I was a troublemaker all the way into my 20s. And then I got extremely, I got, I got, a, I got, I think that that whole like, troublemaking and ego and being being like at the forefront and the center of everything right that then transformed 
transformed into really wanting to become one of the best in what I do professionally, right? It was a perfect kind of like, you know, it wasn't so much about me being the star in my clique or in my school or in my whatever, right? It was more about, okay, so how do I now win most awards and how do I become that person? <laughs> I can totally see you as a young man and a little boy. I can totally see you that. And it's, it's so very Austrian of you. It's very Austrian of me. And, and I'm not sure that we want to paint that picture for anyone. So I'm going to move on very quickly. But, <laughs> but I think that, you know, like once, once, I, once I got into my 30s, that's when everything shifts, right? That's when suddenly you start seeing yourself and you're like, are your priorities correct, right? And that doesn't mean you need to start a family and are you married or not? But it's really professionally, are my priorities correct? Is what I'm doing, is that where I want to be? And so I think that that's where my thinking started with, you know, like how, how do you know, is it really all about the words? You know, like what, what is this about? You know what I really love about this Fabian is it's like, it's like you're on purpose in your life. There's a good book with, with the title too. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I, I think, I think it's, I think purpose these, get, these days gets a really bad rep because it has to be about giving back to society at all times. Right. And I think, but what's I think your purpose on purpose? What's your purpose? That's what drives you. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, you know, for, for me personally, you know, my purpose is to just to just create better companies faster. Like that's really it, right? And I can do it through my means, which are very brand oriented, right? But I love when I come out of out of these sessions or when we do a brand transformation, you know, like like everything looks new and the and the voice is different and and the and, and the purpose is deeper, right? So my purpose is to give brands purpose, right? I mean, in a way, that's what it is, right? And and I think, you know, if I would, if I would, you know, write big checks to 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 you know some nonprofits, which of course I also love doing, but like if that is your purpose in life. You, you need to be more directly affected by that, right? You need to, like, I feel if I, if I have a workshop and I make a lot of money and at the end of the day, I'm having a martini and I'm like, good for me, right? That's one way of seeing it. But the other way of seeing it is me actually still having a martini, but me sitting back and saying, you know what? This was a 900 people company. We just instilled amazing values. We just pushed leadership to, to have more purpose, to be a more purposeful company. We just created all of these things. And how over the next five years, will that actually have a trigger effect on people's purpose, on people's salary? So that's your purpose. That's my purpose. Yeah. And but to it took do it me faster while to, yeah. and you disrupted your whole agency. So you could be on your purpose. That is right. beautiful. Right. That's kick ass. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, <come, laughs> didn't come overnight. <laughs> so what do you do outside of, uh, you know, driving purpose faster for companies, right? <laughs> what do you do? Do you have any crazy passions or are you just I, like, I, I keep pushing my own purpose further. Uh, well, I, I am, I am one of those people that I talked about before. I, you know, I'm, I'm big into music. I absolutely love music. Uh, I've got, I've got like a thousand, uh, 300 or a thousand, 600 records. I'm, I'm re, I, you know, I'm, I'm part of a production duo. We do music on the site, but during the pandemic, I realized that the way that people store their vinyl, their records 
uh, hasn't been disrupted in a hundred years and I'm, re I'm ready to disrupt it. So literally over, over the pandemic, over the last year, I, I hired a designer uh, who worked for Frank Gehry and uh, he, he also did engineering for Boeing. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I paid him to co-create uh, this new product. And so I'm going to, I'm going to launch it hopefully in January. And it's a whole new, it's a whole new company. I know nothing about product. Uh, I know nothing about D2C. I know, I mean, I know enough because I work with clients, right. But so the fun thing with that company is that, uh, that I now, have to perform what I usually perform on companies on myself, right? So I have to launch this brand perfectly. It has to have the right story, the most amazing brand identity. It has to connect immediately with the audience. It has to have amazing values. It has to have all of that stuff. And so it is, it is absolutely exhilarating. Um, and that's what I'm, that, so I guess when you ask me, what do I do for fun? Right now, that's what I do for fun, but it turns into a business very, very quickly. So I'm like running two shifts right now. That's amazing. Okay. I can't wait to hear about that in the new world. Right. Yeah, and I call it yeah. the new world. I'm not even saying happy new year. It's like happy new world next year. <laughs> it's so true. I, I think, I think that something amazing will come out of all of this pain and sorrow and, 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 you know, longing and everything that we've, we've been through as mankind. Right. I think, and I'm not glad that it happened. Right. I don't want anyone to, to, to mess up my words here, but I think that there's going to be, I think that just people are going to experience their lives in, in much better ways, right? With, with service providers, with hospitals, with, um, you know, with, with brands, with everything. I think that, that there's so much innovation that's gonna come out of these dark times um, of people that really care, you know, kind of like how I do my little business because I've got 1,600 records and I think something needs to be done for them to be seen better or to be showcased better, whatever, right? And, and so it's gonna come not from corporations, but it's gonna come from people who are like you, right? Who say, hey, I have the shared interest and I want to do something about it. I think, I think good stuff is going to come, come, come abound. And I, I sure hope that that's, I agree with happen. you. I was talking to another disruptor and he said, this is the creator economy. This is what's come out of COVID. You have just attested to that. Yeah. And I wouldn't expect anything less for you to be doing something like being an overachiever and now starting another company. So well, wish me luck. As your crazy <laughs> passion. Yeah, no, I don't wish luck to people. I'm going to wish you good intentions because I know you'll make it happen. Thank you. And I appreciate seeing you saying that about luck because uh, I, I actually am, am pretty, uh, you know, allergic against the idea of, oh my yeah, God, luck got comes so from lucky. having balls, being determined and being persevere. <laughs> I've been persevering. Right? And, that, and that's exactly what it is, right? It's never sure. There's always a little bit of luck, but you ask for it and you showcase that you are ready for that luck. Right. So it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of hard work behind all of that. A lot of hard work behind it. That's you true. know it. I know you know it. Oh, so. and all disruptors know it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. how do people get a hold of you? How do they find you? How do they find out more about you? Um, they can go to Finian.com. That's uh, my brand consultancy, not to be okay. What does it mean? Agency. What does Finian mean? <laughs> <laughs> of course, you have to ask that. So Finian. So, so this was huge for us, right? Because here we are creating a, a consultancy that is specialized in naming, right, next to strategy and identity. And the name's got to be better, really good. We got to have the .com. We don't want to have to buy it. It's this whole thing. It has to be pronounceable, easy, and all of this stuff. So Finian came from three words. Um, and, 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 and those three words really describe 
perfectly what we what we do. Um, on the one hand, Finians in Latin means uh, means compass, right? So it means setting the direction, which is the first phase, which is really brand strategy, right? Like we set the direction for a brand. Um, then in Porto, no, in Polynesian, um, Finian means seed. Right. So it's like you, you, you put in the seed. So first you set the direction, then you plant the seed, which is for us giving a name or an identity. And then in French, which is the one that most people know, you know, fini, fini means, uh, you know, to complete, to finish something. So that's our process. So at the end of it, you know, like we, 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 we set you up with great partners. Right. And, and that's Start, it. Start, change, entire. stop, full circle. That's exactly it. So that's where Finian came from. Those were kind of like our inspirational words in different languages. And then and then we created a story around it. And I think it's a good story. And I love it because when people ask Finian, everyone says, what does it mean? Because it's so weird, right? And there's Fabian and Finian. People what call me it Finian mean? sometimes. Like, what is this? Right? Does this have anything to do with finance? Because in branding. <laughs> yeah. And then I can basically pitch them our entire philosophy and our process. And all, what in we get for it, all in one fell All in one quick <laughs> elevator. Like, yeah, this is what it means. And then they're like, oh, this is interesting. We should talk more. I'm like, good. <laughs> <laughs> See a true testament of your brilliance. So again, how do they find you? Yeah, so finian.com is a great is a great place. Uh, uh, they can absolutely follow me on on, on Instagram. I'm super I'm I'm, I'm super uh, um, uh, active there. Uh, they can connect with me on LinkedIn if they can spell my name, Fabian Geyerhalter. It's a little complicated, but it's on the show. Um, and uh, and yeah, if they're intrigued and if they're into records and collecting, they can go to toneoptic.com, which is the very first time I was able to drop this because it's literally just launched three days ago. So. Um, so, so yeah, they can, they can That's do that. exciting. Okay. How do you spell it? Tone, like, tone. like music tone and tone optic, optic, like optic tone right? optic.com. Yeah. Super we're doing cool. Something very visual and it's about music and it allows us to expand if ever we wish to. And yeah, I'm in, I'm going. All right. All right. Perfect. I'll see you because you're going to be visitor number four or something, right? Yes. It's like, it's like it's when you start a company, your, your analytics are so depressive. You're like, what? Really? Visitor number four. That's pretty significant. It's like Google employee number 10. Right? Yeah, no, I, I, I was exaggerating, but uh, yeah, I, I do hope, I do hope uh, to, 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 to be in touch there and wherever else and, and everyone else uh, would, would love to, would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you, Fabian. It was and guys, if you learn something, you want to disrupt your agency, or you just want to get aboard on the creator economy, whether you're a company or whether you're a creator, reach out to Fabian here. And Fabian, thank you so much. My pleasure. And thank you everybody for listening to Disruption Interruption, where we transform lives, change consumer behavior, alter economics, and never accept the status quo. Ciao for now. Because we live in a highly litigious society with America being one of the top litigious countries in the world, here's our legal disclaimer. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional public relations or legal advice. Do not disregard seeking professional legal, healthcare, or financial advice or delay seeking professional PR or legal advice because of something you have heard here. Contact an attorney to obtain advice on any particular legal situation or problem. Use of this podcast or our website or any of its social media or email links do not create an agency-client relationship between Joto PR and the user.